take your Bibles. All right, we're going to go right into the Word of God, Proverbs 23, 26. And this is a verse that we gave last week that I want you to sort of embrace this week, especially with the story that God has for us this morning. Proverbs 23, 26 says this, My son, give me your heart. And let your eyes observe my ways. Now, if you came into the worship auditorium this morning, you may have brought with you your heart. If you have your heart today, would you just put it up high? All right, look at this. Everyone's got heart. And if you don't, you need to be like the lion who gets his heart back, all right? But this, if you've got this, hold on to it. If you don't have one, I'll explain how you can get one at the end of the service. My son, give me your heart. Solomon is writing to his sons. And then last week we discovered in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel 36, verse 26, it says this, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you and I will remove your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. What a promise from God. Hallelujah. And I will put a new spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. Let's continue now with this second installment of our series, Heart Habits, with this topic, A Changed Heart. A changed heart. Matthew 6, verse 24 says this, No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Other versions refer to it as mammon. And the word mammon, if you take notes in your Bible, is actually an Aramaic word. That Aramaic word is a word of riches. You cannot serve God and riches. Now, we're not talking about money in itself. We're referring to, in this Aramaic context, there was a Syrian god, and he was the god of mammon, the god of wealth, the god of riches. If you wanted to be wealthy, you would go and pray to this specific god so you can receive the blessings from this god. So why was it that scripture would use a context referring to a god of the Syrian people? This was not the God of the Israel, and God was warning because at, during that time as they were now living in that land, many other cultures had influenced them. The Syrian God, Mammon, was an influence from Syria, but it had way traces back all the way to the Babylonian age. The word Babylon comes out of Babel. And Babel was a time when people just decided we will do what we believe is right and we will build ourselves a, 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 a kingdom that would reach the heavens. That was not of God. That was the God that Jesus was warning his children. You can't serve those two masters. You're going to hate one or love the other. 1 Timothy 6 verse 10. For the love of money... There it is again. Not money, but the love of it, or mammon. For the love of mammon, or money, is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains, many hurts, many worries, strongholds. You take notes. Write this down. Strongholds are just a strong way of thinking. Enticed by the enemy or my sinful nature. 
As believers, our hearts must repent from this wrong thinking. If you have a stronghold in your life, you have given yourself over into the presence of negative or counter-biblical culture, cultural thinking, and you are not thinking as a child of God. So Jesus says, hey, you better make a distinction between the two, that you can't have this worldly mindset and have a biblical mindset. So if we can allow God to change the way we think about him and ourselves, we must allow our minds to be changed by his truth over time. That's what Jesus said in Philippians, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Romans 12, verse number two, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve God's will, what it is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. May I just add the emphasis there that is a transformation of the mind and a transformation of the heart. You see, our minds receive knowledge, but our heart may not necessarily follow through with it. If you ever wonder about that statement, just check with your children and tell them to go clean their room. Fine. You know what I'm talking about? Apparently, it's only my children. (laughs) If you ever, in your outward, expressed something in agreement with authority, but in your heart, you have not. God wants the transformation of not just our mind, but our hearts. And that's why we want to be balanced as a church, that we don't just receive head knowledge, that we receive the heart of God for our lives as well. And God's people said, amen. I want to take you to the prodigal son. Now, before you turn me off or tune me off into the understanding, the context of the prodigal son, you might have heard the story before of a father who had two children, and the father uh, looked at his children, and one of his younger sons of the two said to him, Father, give to me what is owed to me. Give me my inheritance. In the Jewish culture or in culture and customs of that day, the older son would have the privilege of having two-thirds of the inheritance, and the younger son would only have one-third. Getting to an age and stage of his life where he feels like he doesn't need the father anymore, so give to me what it belongs to me already. And I want you to notice the parallel as we transition into an understanding of stewardship and of the relationship of God. Last week, we talked about the heart and we laid a foundation. But this week, I want you to see a son that did not ultimately care for the heart of his father, but he cared for what his father had. And in the same context as Christians today, we can very easily want what God gives to us and what he has in store for us because we want to be blessed, we want to be highly favored, we want to be all, whatever the context that you're referring to, and we don't ultimately have a relationship with the Father. And the Father, going back to Proverbs that I reread, my son, give me your heart. And the son on the other side says, Father, give me my inheritance. Do you see the contrast? 
The Father just wants our heart, but yet we want the things of God, and we want the, uh, the blessings of God, and we want what God has in store for us more than we want the relationship and the favor of the Father. And we have to be really careful here. I'll read you the story as we get into this as an introduction. Verse number 11 of Luke chapter 15 says, And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property. Give me the share of property. In other words, give me the inheritance. Give me the estate that is coming to me. And the father, he divided his property between them. He and the other son, not many days, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property, his inheritance, his money, his possessions with reckless living. And when he had spent everything and a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself, one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him to the fields to feed with pigs, and he was longing to be fed with the pods of the pigs that he ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he had come to himself, he had a reckoning, he had an awakening, and he said, how many of my father's servants have more than enough bread, but when I perish here, I will hunger, I will arise, I will go to my father, and here's what he said to his father. He, here's what he, he says he wants to say to his father. He's rehearsing it in his mind, and so he says this, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And so after he rehearsed what he was going to say, he arose in verse 20. And he arose and he came to the father. But while he was still long away, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him. And he kissed him and he said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand. Now, there's such significance. The Bible says to put on the robe of righteousness, which is the robe of Christ. The ring is very significant as well. I wish we can go to a Bible study of it. The ring when given, you saw it in the video, the ring when this is given to your husband, when this is given to your wife, it is a symbol of your love. It has no beginning. It has no end. Did you notice that? The ring of the father that was being given to the son was very significant in that, son, I am reminding you of my eternal love for you, my sacred love for you. And so here it is. Let me put on the robe of righteousness. Even though you went away, even though, if you will, you sinned, I still love you. And I am putting on this robe to let you know that the robe of righteousness. Here's a ring to symbolize that, son, I love you. And in certain cultures, especially of that time, this ring, is, there's a family heirloom to remind that this is the family heirloom and who you are receiving it from. You're not just receiving that ring from anybody. You're receiving it from the one who wants to express that love to you. I can't just go around and wearing someone else's ring because this ring is the ring that my wife made a commitment to me. And likewise to her. There's so much significance in that. But for the sake of the story and to stay in our context of understanding a changed heart, the son had a repentant heart. Proverbs Solomon says to his son, my son, give me your heart. And yet the son says, father, give me the inheritance. When we want the things of God more than we want the relationship of God, 
we are now becoming like the prodigal. You say, what is a prodigal? It basically means the word prodigal is wasteful, particularly in regards to money. When you think of the prodigal son, don't think of it only in the context, the one who went away. The word prodigal is wasteful. The son who wasted what the father wanted to give. I don't know about you if you can recognize this in your life. The Bible says the blessings of God, he maketh rich and he adds no sorrow to it. If the son would have received what the father wanted to give to him rather than demanding it and to do what he wanted with his own thing, he would not have had sorrow with it. Because the father's blessings are pure. They are holy and righteous altogether, Psalm 119. God reminds us in this story beyond the prodigal. In Jewish society, there were laws regarding how inheritance would typically be divided. The oldest brother would receive the double portion. You can reference that in Deuteronomy chapter number 2, verse 17, while the other brother just gets a single share. When the two brothers were there, the son, the younger of the two, got one-third. There's truly is an astonishing request because what he wanted was very significant. In a society where high, high reverence toward a father and a parent, you would have thought at that time that there would be more reverence, but it was almost a spit in the face. But yet in this breathtaking story, yet in this beautiful story, even though heart-wrenching, even though insulting, the love of the father is still demonstrated consistently all the way through. What does the prodigal son do next? He repents after spending everything he had. The Bible says in wasteful or righteous living. You see, he didn't recognize every good gift and every perfect gift comes from God, the father of lights, in whom there is no guile or variable. The son to the father. This is what the son said to the father. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you in verse 18. He also says in verse 19, I am not worthy to be called your son. Here's another thing that the son said to the father. Treat me as a servant. Here's what the father says to the son in the verses preceding. Before he, the father even opened his mouth, he kisses him. He runs towards him. He puts on a robe of righteousness. Remember, the son says, Father, I have sinned. I've done this. I've done that. Forgive me. Make me one of your hired servants. And the, <coughs> excuse me, and the father runs to him, embraces him, kisses him, and he puts on a robe of righteousness onto him, and then beyond that puts on a ring and tells the servants, go kill the fatted calf. For my son, who was once dead, is now alive, and he has returned. He has a change of, say it with me, heart. Oh, people of God, can we have a can we take our heart of stone and can we, just, can we just take our heart of stone and can we just make it a heart of flesh? We can't do that, but the Father gives it to us. He demonstrates to us that, listen, in while you were yet sinners, Christ died for 
you. There is nothing, Romans, that can separate you from the love of God. Neither wasteful living, nor righteous living, nor evil thinking, nor strongholds. None of that's going to separate you from the love of God. Neither height, nor depth, nor powers, nor principalities. You are a child of God. Mammon is an Aramaic word, which means riches, and mammon represents the spirit of the world. Money either has God's spirit on it or mammon's spirit on it. Jesus says, you can't serve God and mammon. If we think that money could solve our problems instead of God, then the spirit of mammon has influenced us. Tithing, giving to God, breaks the stronghold in the spirit of mammon. Oh, pastor, how are we doing in our finances for the church? We need more money. No, we don't. We need more God. We just need a meat budget. We just need to listen to God. God will take care of all of it. There's enough money in this church to take care of God's kingdom for this church. But when we get to the point of having inner vows and strongholds against us, having a hard heart, what happens is we hold on to that and we protect that. You think you're protecting your money and your emotions and your hurt, but you're actually protecting yourself from a heart of stone and you need to trade it for a heart of flesh. At its heart, mammon says, man doesn't need God. We're self-sufficient. In essence, mammon says, you don't need to trust God. You need to trust in me. Trust that if you just get a new job or if you get a raise or if this person did this or if you got a new house or if you got a new car, everything will be better and you will have peace. False identity. Luke 16 verse 9 says, and I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unright, don't make for yourself uh, friends by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, that they may receive you into the eternal dwelling. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. That's why tithing is so good for us, because if we can be faithful with a little, we can be faithful in that which is much. As a father of three children, trying to teach my own children, the principles of caring for what God has given us now so that God can give us more stewardship of greater things as we have been entrusted. That relationship with the Father and the Son is still there. God desires to bless his children in recognition of proper stewardship. My son just turned 16 he sees Mustangs and he says, oh yeah, that's what I'm going to get. He sees a nice car and I'm thinking dollar signs, high insurance and all the rest of it. And he's thinking, lean back, lean back. And work the same. If we can take care of our minivan, <laughs> God will bless us in accordance to our stewardship. In Luke 16, verse number 13, no servant can serve two masters. You can't. 
You'll either be devoted to the one or you'll despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. 1 Timothy 6 verse 10 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, strongholds, evils, evil spirits towards us, and a lack of understanding that. It is through this craving that sometimes many have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So what in the world, pastor, is mammon? What is mammon? Mammon had, it has its roots in the Babylonian history and essentially means sown in confusion. Remember Babel? Babble on when, you, when someone says, oh, he's just babbling on. He's just saying a bunch of stuff that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Mammon is the spirit of the world and the spirit that rests on money not submitted to God. God blesses money that has been submitted and doesn't try to replace him. Mammon tries to take God's place by promising everything that only God can give to us. Mammon wants to rule, but there's only one ruler of our life, the Lord Jesus Christ. Money is a good servant, but a terrible master. When we are more dependent on money, we use money, but we do not let money use us. It's the spirit of mammon that is more dependent on that than of God. Is money evil? No. According to 1 Timothy 6 verse 10, he reminds us it is the love of money. Paul writes that the love of money is the root of all evil. Money in itself is not evil. The love of money is the root of evil. The, the, the son of that time loved the father's money, inheritance, he did not have a heart for his father. Money can be used for unrighteous temporal purposes for, or for righteous eternal purposes. The choice is ours. This means we are to use money for what is eternal, such as helping people come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. When you sow into the kingdom, when you invest in others, recently I was out to eat and somebody said, no, I want to care for that. Let me be a blessing to you. They said it, and later on we discovered they just wanted to, in his own way, I just wanted to be a blessing to the pastor. We've had people that will say, I want to be a blessing for this reason or that reason. When you're doing it in the name of Jesus, you're doing it for God. But when you're doing it for recognition, for promotion, so that someone can give back to you, so that they can treat you next time, you might not be doing it for righteous reasons. Did you know that money has a spirit on it? It either has the spirit of God or the spirit of mammon. How you use it, the matter of your own heart, will determine who you are serving. I've noticed that people most under the influence of the spirit of mammon tend to have the most fear about money. When we're worried about the next bill, the next whatever it is that you have worry or fear about, and there is some tie into money, then your heart at the heart of your fear might be the unrighteousness of mammon as opposed to 
the righteousness of God, the holiness of God. I love what one pastor says. He says this, Mammon promises us those things that only God can give. Security, significance, identity, independence, power, and freedom. Mammon tells us it can insulate us from life's problem and that money is the answer to every situation. And we know that to be false. Money cannot do that. Only God can. Number three, what should I do about money then? Well, God tells us that we can be a good steward of our, of our money. Being a good steward and with whatever you have, not just money. This is not only in regards to money. The word stewardship, and you'll hear that in other messages. Stewardship is recognizing that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from God. You see, God wanted to bestow, the father, if you will, in the story of the prodigal son, wanted to bestow to the son the inheritance and the blessings and the favor of the father onto the son, but he didn't recognize it right because his heart was after the spirit of mammon. He who is faithful in that which is least will be faithful in that which is much. He who is unjust with that which is least is also unjust in much. And it And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, or if you've not been faithful, let me put it in another context, if you've not been faithful with what God has given you. Another man. How can you be faithful with what God will give you? We all have something with which we are supposed to be faithful. I love that our church, Dr. Wayne Smith, preached a message about two weeks ago And are you a contributor? Are you giving back to the body, using your talents and your gifts for the kingdom, or are you a consumer? Because the son was a consumer. In the story of the prodigal son, he wanted to consume what the father had as opposed to receiving what the father wanted for him to be and wanted him to have. We must have a repentant heart. Clearly, this stands in direct opposition to the Spirit of God. For example, Mammon says to buy and sell. God says to sow and reap. Mammon says to cheat and steal. God says to give and receive. Mammon tells us that if you had more money, people would listen to you, and your relationship problems would go away, and that life would be sweet. The difference between these two spirits are cut and dry. However, it's possible for believers to become influenced by the spirit of mammon without realizing it because it's affecting our churches today. The messages that are being shared around the world with a lack of full context and clarity that if you just follow God and you'll be blessed. Somewhere along the lines, the disciples apparently didn't hear that message. Somewhere along the lines, Jesus didn't hear that message. Born in a manger, born in a little stable. Shoes and sandals that were probably with him for those years of ministry. He should have been riding on a camel with 17-inch rims, but yet he was walking from place to place. What's up with that? You could have made it 
to where you can have exhibited all that. But yet, that's not the attributes of God. We are blessed by the relationship and the love of God. But yet, in our humanity and in the spirit of mammon, we recognize that we would want the things and that makes us better. In the story of the prodigal son, I hope that you can see the tie-in of that. My son, give me that heart of yours, Solomon says to his son Lemuel. In Ezekiel, let me have that heart of stone where the stone wants the things more than they want the relationship. Let me give it, let me trade it in for a heart of flesh instead. Almost done. Mammon wants you to think, if I just had more money, I could really start helping people and give, give more to the kingdom. You can give yourself to the kingdom. We don't need your money. God doesn't want your money. God wants you. The Bible says in Matthew, I believe it's 6, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. God wants your heart. God wants you more than he wants you to follow him because of what he can give you. It's all about the heart. Keep in mind, Jesus never told anyone that the answer was money. Jesus, I'm blind. Would you heal me? If you just had more money, you'd be okay. Jesus, I'm walking with a limp. Help me out. You know what? If I had money, if you had money, you can fix that. Go buy yourself crutches. Go get yourself a wheelchair. Jesus doesn't fix us with money, and Jesus doesn't fix us with the immediacy of what Jesus wanted to give every single one of these uh, immediate relationships that people were healing. He, he whom he was healing, he wanted to give him himself. That was why the woman who had the issue of blood wanted to touch him so much because she wanted Jesus. She wanted a piece of Jesus for the love of money is the root of all evil. In closing, notice the Bible doesn't say anything about, say anything that money is the root of all kinds of evil. It says the love of money. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. One of mammon's greatest tricks, money's greatest tricks, is getting us to trust in money rather than God. When you feel financial pressures, notice how the spirit of mammon tries to position itself to substitute for God. It says you'll need God to work a miracle right now. What you need is money. No, what you need is God. It's simply a lie. Mammon is a liar, and you know who the father of lies is? The devil himself, the author of confusion, doubt, fears, that's what Jesus is saying in Matthew 6, 24. You can't serve those two spirits, those two gods. You gotta rely on God for peace, for comfort, for joy. Money wants to make you happy. It can only buy you a bed, but it can't buy you sleep. Money can buy you medicines, but money can't heal you. Money's a liar. If you had money, you can buy a car and you can get recognized. 
The Bible says that if you humble yourself, he will lift you up. Counterculture. Money is countercultural to everything that God wants for you. As Christians, God is the God of all things. We cannot serve these, these two different gods. Either the God of mammon or the true and living God, you will either love one or the other. In the story of the prodigal son, his heart desired mammon more than the love of the father. Likewise, if we are not careful, we want the things of the father more than the relationship of the father. We must repent and have a change of heart. We must go back to our first love. We must seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The son got to a point where he had a repentant heart and he ran back to God. If we think money can solve our problems instead of God, then the spirit of mammon has influenced us. Mammon tries to take God's place by promising us everything that only God can give us. Our proper view of the Father will determine if we love him or we love his benefits that are found in him. True repentance is both the act of obedience in the head and the heart. Ezekiel 36, 26 gives us a clear understanding of what God wants to do in our hearts today and in this series. Let's take our heart of stone, the strongholds of our understanding of money and stewardship, and let's trade it in with God for a heart of flesh. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior today, God wants to do a new thing in your life. He wants to give you a new name. He wants to give you a new heart. He wants to dwell in you. And he wants you to become a son and a daughter of the most high God. There's somebody today that may need a heart transplant from God today. If you're not a Christian, receive the heart of God and the forgiveness of God upon your life today. If you are a Christian, say, God, take my heart of stone and give, it, give me a heart of flesh. We're gonna sing a song with the worship team and here's what we're going to do. And I want you to listen to these instructions so that you can understand how to go about doing so. In, as you were coming into the worship today, greeters gave you or had available for you the, a stone. If you don't have one and you want to symbolically do that, you're still able to grab one that's right outside the door. There are buckets right out there. But if you brought it with you, before you just come, would you just pray? And whenever the Spirit of God leads you, not me, not your neighbor, when the Spirit of God leads you, would you just symbolically say, God, here's my heart, Lord. Take what is yours, and I'm going to give you my heart of stone, and I'm asking God that you would give me a heart of flesh. I want a tender heart. I want a pure heart. I want a heart that pursues you. As the deer pants for the water, so my heart pants for you. Would you pray to God, however he's dealing with you? Maybe you're a prodigal and you haven't been walking with God. Maybe this is your time to run to the arms of God. You're no longer a servant. You're no longer a slave. You are a child of God. Let's all stand to our feet, shall we?
stirs my heart, Lord. Is my heart, Lord. Is my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. Is my heart, Lord. Is my heart, Lord. Is my heart, Lord, speak what is true, cause I am found, I am yours, I am loved, I made pure, I have life, I can breathe, I am I am free. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. Cause I am
prayer warriors and people that will pray with you and talk to you about how you can know how to have a relationship with God today. Don't leave here without talking to one of our pastors or one of our counselors so that you can know how you can be a son or a daughter of God. If you didn't get a rock or a stone and you want to do that, it's between you and God. You don't have to do it right here. If you can, if you want to go after the service and do that in your own quietness, you're still welcome to do that. And then would you also pray for the Spirit of God to move in our church? We do not want to be a church that has a heart of stone. We want God to work and have us as his children to have a heart of flesh so that he can do anything that he wants to do as a father. Whom the father loves, sometimes he chastises. Whom the father loves, sometimes he blesses. But that's his work and his sacred calling. Father, we pray for our our hearts right now as we, many, many in this room have symbolically given their heart a stone back to you and have repented. And Lord, we don't have, we don't want to have a stronghold, a wrong thinking of what you want for us as sons and daughters of the most high King, the father of lights, that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from you. And that God, you've given us a responsibility as sons and daughters to steward that well and care for that well and that we would need to love the father, not the things of the father. Lord, as we go into the next two weeks of greater understanding this truth in our hearts for this church, give us freedom to worship you. Give us freedom from your word to receive what you want to teach us, oh Father. Give us a blessed day. Thank you. Thank you for the spirit of worship and for those that are here. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Continue to move. We pray all this in Jesus' strong and mighty name. And God's people said, Amen and amen. Well, God loves you. We love you. And uh, be sure to stop by our connection table and be sure to visit the youth ministry. They've got a table that's out there and they want to share with you some of the things that are going on in youth ministry. Have a blessed week. God bless you.